0: Hey guys, Eric from Working Dog Radio. I wanna talk to you about one of my favorites and that is Dogtra. I've been using Dogtra collars for a long time, way before they became a sponsor of the podcast. It's the Police Canine Association. We've been using them and that's all we use. Uh, We've been vendors for a while now, but we've been users of Dogtra collars way before we became vendors. In my kennel, I have a drawer full of them. I have the 1900S e-collars and I got a bunch of 600 bark collars. I like it nice and quiet. My kennel and those bar collars work perfectly. But Dogtra is not just sitting back doing nothing. They're out there uh, innovative designs, coming up with new stuff. And in May, they launched three new products. All right. They uh, sent them to Ted and I, and we get to test them. I cannot wait. This is the coolest part of my job here. And I want to talk to you about the one. That I'm going to try and that's the Pathfinder. It's a GPS tracking and training collar where no cellular is required. There's free detailed satellite and terrain views from Google Maps along with an offline maps mode. Easy location sharing for dogs and dog owners. History playback on your smartphone and computer. And custom alerts for dog actions using pop-ups, sound, and vibration. I have two brand new dogs in my kennel I just started introducing them tracking a couple days ago and i can't wait to get them out and get longer and try these things out bird dog guys trial dog guys these things are perfect for you guys um check them out man they're not waiting on us they got them out there because they are proven with their stuff give them a call 888-811-911 dog truck this episode is brought to you in part by highland canine llc they offer total solutions for law enforcement and military organizations to meet their increasingly demanding canine needs. Connect with them and see the difference at tacticalpolicecaninetraining.com. That's tacticalpolice, the letter K, the number 9, training.com. Yeah, I'm a crazy motherfucker walking up your street. Craziest fucker that you ever see.
1: Welcome yes. to Working Dog
2: Radio, yes. Broadcasting the Bite.
1: All right, we're back. Working Dog Radio, Broadcasting the Bite. Uh, I'm Ted Summers, Torch like canine Working Dog Dry Goods, and of course, Working Dog Radio. And with me as always is Eric Stambrough. Eric, what's up?
0: Um, you know, I feel like today I'm in Tulsa, Oklahoma, because it's like 50 mile an hour wind gusts. Um, it's in, it, it's, it's in the it's state crazy. song.
1: You can't, it's in the state song. You can't be surprised. It's when the winds oh. come sweeping down the plains.
0: Okay. So, <laughs> all right. It's not in Ohio though. They don't say, that. um, well. today, you know, when, when we were, we recording this, uh, you it'll, it'll play after police week, but it's leading up to police week. So we do a, uh, our FOP does a memorial, uh, every year we have a memorial. And then last year they added a canine memorial. Cause in the city I work for, we've had two dogs killed. In the line of duty, so they did a memorial today. And the wind um, was bad enough that blew like most of the flags over, blew people's chairs over, knocking hats off. Um, a couple ladies almost got knocked over. It was it was uh, pretty interesting, but uh, so that that went pretty good. And I got fucking puppies everywhere, man. <laughs>
1: I keep seeing Sons it on bitches, Instagram, man. and I'm like, oh god, I'm glad it's not me. I hate this. <laughs> oh. There- at, you know, least the at least their eyes are open and at least they're labs I mean
0: yeah, they're starting to uh, try to get out of the every time you go in there they're out of the whelping box you got to put them back in and you know they can't walk through. I'm afraid they're gonna fall out of the whole the whelping you know the opening and break a leg or something. so I put a little gate up there but they're getting more and more it's gonna start uh, really becoming interesting. I'm probably – they're only about two and a half weeks old, so I'm still a few weeks away from testing and to start see who shows some you know that's the thing right. it's different than having a it's different than being a having a litter of pet labs where every one of them you know you can sell as a pet and people can put deposits down people keep asking me and i'm like oh, yeah. i don't know i don't yeah, know who yeah, yeah. you know because the ones that show a, a workability are that's what they're going to do they're going to go someplace that you know i've got um all kinds of bomb dog trainers, you know, already hitting me up and things like that. So,
1: um,
0: it's, it's interesting, but it finally warmed up here and we're training dogs, man. How about you?
1: Yeah, it's finally warmed up. We're in tornado season. Anybody from this part of the country knows that, um, you know, we grow meth and tornadoes down here. So the, we had Tuesday night training the other night was interesting. We had 25 to 30 mile an hour straight line winds that were crosswinds on our tracks. And, I don't know. I mean, I think my guys gets exposed to it so much and the dogs that they end up just, I mean, acquiescing. But they all killed it. They did well. I mean, I think everybody saw the ad that we or the video that Alicia put up of me talking about it. But, God, it was super windy that night. Um, what else happened? I'm getting ready to deliver the bed bug dogs finally. Um, they're done. They've been done for a while, but I've just been waiting to do the handler course. One of my handlers got a bite last night. Uh, so this county that he's in has, they have like one section. that's a swamp and it's a big county. And this shit bag, it was a armed burglary guy and ran. And of course he ran through the only swamp in that county. And, you know, the handler and the dog ended up chasing him through the, ca- through the swamp. <laughs> and dog bit the dude and the handler ended up in the middle of a fucking highway. And the handler ended up spearing this dude like a linebacker tackling him with the dog attached and i mean and obviously not this dog's first bite but a super experienced team uh but you know it, it's still i mean we were this dog was a training on tuesday night and you know we ended a we did a a, a situation where we ended a track with a building search and then a bite and you know, this was kind of a similar deal because he was making announcements because he was like, "Dude, I really don't want to go into the swamp." And he, I guess, was like waist deep in mud, and the dog was covered in mud, and the shit bag was covered in mud, and it was a total shit show. But you know, I mean, they caught him, you know, and uh, the bite was clean, not a lot of damage. The out was good, uh, super clean, good deployment, um, like like every deployment that team has. So yeah. I mean, other than that, you know, our, uh, we've got some more dogs finishing up. I'm getting ready to start a bomb dog for a department in Arkansas or a dual purpose bomb dog. So we're going to be busy again for sure.
0: That's cool. Yeah. Last Wednesday we were training in the, uh, Marshall's task force called me and they're like, uh, Hey, we are chasing this dude all over the place and none of your dogs are with us. You got any dogs. So I'm like, all right. <clears throat> I had like 17 dogs. I'm like, who's got all their kit with them? Three or four dudes raise their hand. I'm like, go, go with him and go. And uh, so we're listening on the radio and we're listening to, you know, dog out, dog out, dog out and apprehension and all this other stuff. So then they call me on the way back. They're like, yeah, we had two bites. I'm like, oh, no shit. Two bites. Yeah. <laughs> one of them bit the uh, the uh, suspect and one of the dogs bit uh, one of the U.S. Marshals. I'm like, yes. <laughs> bite's a bite. I don't care. Bite's a bite. Mark it down. Oh. So he, uh, the handler who bit the bit him works in a very small, really nice community it, it, his chances of ever getting a bite are pretty limited. So this was his dog's first one. And so I was like, sweet. I don't give a shit who it is. Uh, and it was the marshal's fault and he knows it. So, uh, we're all good. It was a good bite too. Nice puncture in the
1: elbow. <laughs> You can't teach dogs to bite people, and I'm shocked when they do. Don't fucking stand in front of them.
0: (laughs) Right. Listen listen to the warning on the radio. When they say dog out, that actually means there is a dog out.
1: So, yeah. So uh, tonight, or this afternoon, or whenever this episode actually airs, uh, tonight, this afternoon, today, we have Howard Young, uh, trainer for... Shelby, North Carolina, because there's multiple Shelby, Shelby, North Carolina Police Department, and as well as the Sheriff's Office there as well. Howard, how are you doing?
2: I'm good. How are you?
1: Doing well, man. Doing well. So um, I guess, you know, you've been, I mean, like there's a couple of dudes like you in the industry that, you know, you guys got your first dogs off the ark and, you know, you were, you were training <laughs> dogs for fucking Moses and Noah. Or, you know, and uh, so uh, give us a little bit of background And, um, sure, you know, back when Carter was in office and you started training dogs. um, So, (laughs) Uh, Well,
2: you know, some of the guys that I'm training now literally went to school with my son. So that, that is a, that's (laughs) an eye opener, (laughs) but, uh, I'm, I'm not that old, man. There are older guys in the business than me, but, um, you know, growing up, uh, you know, this this sounds kind of cliche. We, we had German shepherds, but. Uh, they weren't working dogs; they were pets. You know, I, I didn't have much to do with them. They were just kind of there, and I did my part to, you know, make sure that they got fed and watered. And uh, grew up in Pennsylvania, uh, out in the suburbs outside of Philadelphia. And uh, once those dogs had had passed on, uh, I'd say my first real encounter with a with a working dog was we had some friends that some German friends that were living in Virginia and they had a dog. they always had a legitimate German shepherd and they had one uh, named Fritz and Fritz had uh, supposedly killed some livestock. And uh, at the time, it's probably still that way. Now that's, that's a death sentence for a dog in Virginia. So they they had two options. You know, one was to, you know, euthanize their dog. The other was just to reach out and get the dog out of state. So uh, they called us and, and we took him in. And uh, he was, uh, was I an mean, old school German Shepherd. Uh, my dad had taken him to uh, some obedience lessons. So, this, this is my auspicious beginning of uh, obedience. I was a 16 year old kid, Harvey knew my left and my right. Uh, my dad's going out of town on a business trip, and he says, Son, I want you to take Fritz to the obedience class. It's like, Oh, you've got to be kidding me. This dog's dog aggressive. Uh, I'd never been to an obedience class, and and I think, you know, I wasn't going to defy him. So I load him up in the Oldsmobile Custom Cruiser and uh, Mm. take him to class. And uh, there's a Doberman in that class, too, and they just hated each other. And it was just a really, it was a terrible experience. Uh, So that was my my beginnings of uh, dog training, which wasn't real good, but, you know, I must have – I guess it planted a seed because, uh, years later, I, I didn't really have that much to do with dogs, but I was, uh, while I was in college, I got, I became really enamored with Rottweilers. i never, I saw one and, uh, this was before that, you know, the big boom and most people didn't know what they were. And so when I graduated, one of the things I wanted was i want to buy a Rottweiler. And they were hard to find. And the reality is I didn't have the money to pay for one. So, uh he settled on a a uh, mixed half German shepherd, half Rottweiler, and I guess it was basically it's a dog with half a brain I was you know like I, mean? I was about to say,
1: what does that look like? <laughs> well, he looked more
2: like a shepherd um, he was his, he had a lot of drive, of course, i didn't know what kind of drive he had. Uh, I had the sense to scrounge up enough money to actually pay someone to obedience training for me and uh, guy the local guy actually did a pretty good job but it kind of it gave me the bug and uh i found uh i did eventually get a rottweiler and obedience trained it myself and uh i'd I'd learned that hey these dogs can do some protection work so this guy that. You know, did the original training, my first dog introduced me to another gentleman that uh, in the next town over that trained police dogs and a lot of protection dogs. So took the dog over there, and he evaluated her. And he said, yeah, she'll, she'll do it. So started going to his place and putting her through uh, some sessions, and lo and behold, his business was kind of dissolving, and so he, he lost his helper and right place, right time. I said, look, I'm, you know, able bodied, willing to learn. So I started going to his place, uh, doing really what amounted to kind of a, an informal apprenticeship. So uh doing lots of decoy work, tracks, grunt work, you know, anything I could do. And I was felt like I was learning a lot. It's kind of funny, some of the stuff that uh we use for hidden sleeves yeah, you know, the first time I got a legitimate hidden sleeve, I thought I was cheating. Cause was, mm-hmm. You know, because I was so used to getting really beat up. But uh, mm-hmm. it was really, uh, from th- that point, We he uh, started talking about, um, there were some folks that were coming to me and said, you know, you all ought to start a shooting Club. And I don't know if that was his way of trying to get rid of all of us or uh so we did there was a a core group of people that were coming for some protection training and they some of these folks were also going to a local schutzen club uh schutzen usa club so we started a bbg club since some of us had these off-brand dogs Um, and they're more accepting of uh, rottweilers and such so uh, we started a club Um, i was doing a good bit of decoy work learning tons uh, got to travel some, and I was just trying to soak it all in. And uh, one thing led to another. Uh, some of those folks started coming to my place for decoy to get the dogs worked, and I uh, befriended one of the one of the fellows here at Shelby uh, who was canine handler. And at that time, they really just they had single purpose dogs. And they they weren't narcotics dogs. They were patrol dogs, and he's uh he had some concerns about his dog's bite. And I said, well, you know, I'd be glad to look at him. I'll work. him." of course it was not really kosher for me to be doing that kind of behind his, his trainer's back. But, so I, I did introduce myself to the trainer and I started doing some decoy work for them. And, uh, they were, they were involved with, uh, USPCA at the time. So I would, I decoy for some of their trials and some of their, uh, Apparently, none of them liked it, and I couldn't get enough. I just loved it. Um, so one one time uh we had a portable blind set up, and I was doing some pass bys coming out of the blind and with these chu dogs and these are these are some pretty darn good dogs for as far as sport dogs go, so we thought we would work on this police dog a little bit, work on his grip, so he puts them on the pole. And when I come out of the blind, this dog gets so scared that he expresses himself,
0: oh, completely
2: Lord. shuts down. Whoa. So <laughs> he wanted to put the, yeah. You know, so it gets you the idea of, of where this dog wasn't no quality at all. Uh, at that point, they really were, they were buying uh, dogs from some breeder up in the mountains and, I think they had maybe one out of the bunch that, that really ever amounted to anything. So uh, there was a change in the department at, at that time, and there was a new chief, and he, uh, he was looking for a, a big change in, in the way the canine unit ran. And some, some people apparently had been dropping my name. He called me by one day and asked me to evaluate their canine teams. He had four of them. I said, sure, I'd be glad to. So I put together some scenarios and uh, sat down, and I typed up like four pages of observations of what I saw, which I don't think he was expecting, and, and turned it in. And one of my recommendations was that two of the dogs come off of the road because I didn't feel like that they were suitable. I think it was pretty bold for a guy i would never, you know, had any real official experience. And uh, a couple of weeks passed, and he calls me in. And he says, would you like a job? And I said, well, I've I've got a job, but what do you have in mind? He said, well, I'd like for you to take over our k program. And I, well, I jumped at the, the opportunity. I thought, wow, what a, what a really special opportunity i Never imagined doing that, but to say that I was out of my depth is an understatement. But the other side of the coin was, I think, I was, you know, heads and tails—no pun intended—above what they were, what they were getting, what they were used to. Uh, So, what he offered me was to: Would you rather be a contract agent, or would you like to work for the city? I thought, hmm. There's a decent chance that I could get sued if uh if i'm a city if i'm a city employee they're coming after the city first howard young doesn't have anything so i felt like it was a safer thing for me to do to be a city employee so that's what i did uh, 23 years later we're still chugging along now because i work a full-time job at the time i was in the mental health field i've worked i worked in mental health for 22 years and i been in education now for about twelve. Um, this is what's really kind of unconventional. I don't have time during the day. Now, I have summers, so what we we do is we train every Monday and Wednesday from uh, six at, six at night to ten at night, um, and it's you know no meal breaks. We're we're working four hours. And now if you think about it, a lot of eight hour days, a lot of that time is wasted. You know, guys BSing and Taking meal break So we hit it pretty hard. The upside is because we're doing all our trading in house, um, nobody's having to leave home. Nobody's having to take off work. These guys are typically working the night shift anyway. So they just go on with their regular jobs without missing a beat. Uh, they've never really put any pressure on me in terms of pounding dogs out quickly. So we, we, take our time. It typically takes four to six months, but what we'll do is we'll knock out the narcotics part. We do everything all at the same time, but we usually finish narcotics. And I say finish, we get them roadworthy first. So one of the things they can do is that they can start using their dogs in the area of narcotics. They can start mm-hmm. while they're working. And then we'll, we'll finish the other part and we, we do certify with through the NNDDA every year, but um, when I first started, uh, we well we didn't go with uh, USBCA, uh, we went with another organization, and it's was, it's was kind of funny. Uh, we had certified four dogs that we had. There again, they were still single purpose. They weren't narcotics dogs. Really, nobody at the department felt like we had a need for that, which. What's really ironic now is that's really our bread and butter. I think that's the thing that we do, definitely the thing we do the most of and probably what we're best at. I I think we're pretty good at the other stuff too, but uh, narcotics is our bread and butter. I I read the Watch Commander's report every morning, which is a a great thing because it it helps me kind of keep my fingers on the pulse of what's going on. And there's guys finding dope every night. Nice. Um, our our town is uh, the city of Shelby's got like 85 sworn officers. We got about 25,000 uh, people in the, in our community. Uh, sheriff's office is like there are 100,000 in the in the county, and they've got 110 full time sworn. But back to my, I digress a little bit. Uh, we were kind of looking for an organization, and somebody told us about one, and we certified the dogs. And, we they really did they did well. And we got an opportunity to go to a national seminar, so uh, loaded up and went. And while we were there, I was kind of sensing the, this undercurrent. I couldn't really put my finger on it. Couldn't tell what it was. And it was uh, found out it was about me. But <laughs> <laughs> the, the deal the deal was is that they said uh, there's a civilian here, and we're really not sure that he ought to. Uh, be allowed to observe the aggression exercises. Oh, Lord.
1: Yeah. Well,
2: <laughs> so, uh, you, know, I, you know, what do you do? So, yeah. um, this is kind of a cool story about uh, Franco Angelito. He's you know, I think he's just an absolute class act. He's just, you know, one of the real gentlemen in, the, in this industry. So, we were uh, at a venue that he was running and uh, somebody comes from someone from the host police department comes up in his golf cart and he's got this panic look on his face and he comes running up to Franco. And I don't know what he said, but I know what it was about. So it was basically about me and I was at the, an aggression exercise and uh, I don't know what he said to him, but from that point forward, I, there was never a word spoken about it. It's just, uh, it, you know, he was, he was kind, he was polite, but obviously he's, he was well-respected in that circle, and I never had another comment about it. But uh, I, I know he won't remember this, but he was doing some uh, distance bites uh, with a sleeve, and uh, we had a dog that actually was one of my sport dogs originally, and he uh, he was big, but he kind of a big German shepherd, but he was super athletic, had a super hard, hard bite, bite. I felt kind of funny saying this. It's just experienced guy, way more experience than I do, and I just kind of as a professional courtesy. I said, um, "This dog comes kind of hard and high," and uh, he didn't. He didn't, you know, just blow me off like I got this. He just kind of. Actually, he was staring at the dog. It was staring right back at him, and uh, the dog comes out of the out of the hole just like a shot. And uh, at the very last second, Franco decides to duck out of the bite. <laughs> the yeah. dog shoots like that. <laughs> I thought, well, he ain't no dummy.
1: Because <laughs>
2: mm. that was a that dog, you know, he's, he's going to knock your pee-pee in the dirt pretty much every time you do a distance bite with him.
0: Yeah. As the dog's coming, you can see your shoulder separating before he's even... Uh,
2: <laughs> Absolutely. You could try to, you know, Receive it as well as you can, but you're going down. Mm-hmm. But really good guy. Um, we, uh, when I got home, though, I, I was still kind of – I talked to the chief who was really becoming a, a, a really good mentor to me. And he had given me the, an opportunity of a lifetime. And in a lot of ways, I wasn't qualified. There's so much that I you know, needed to learn, and, but I was willing to learn. And he, uh, I said, do I need to, do I need to go to school to become a, you know, got a basic law enforcement training, become a, a a police officer. He said, no, he said, you're, you're good. You're fine. In fact, don't worry about this organization. And there's nothing wrong with the organization. I think some of the people that were there were, you know, maybe they're, I don't know why they got disjointed, but, um, he said, if you want, you can start your own association. And I, we didn't, uh, but we toyed around with the idea a little bit. Uh, we did eventually join another organization, the one that we're with now. And, uh, of course, there's not been any issues. I, did, I, I do remember maybe one time early on where uh, an officer said, uh, what, what qualifies you to be a, a police dog trainer? And I just, you know, I said, well, uh, fuck, qualifies-
1: if I got, if I fucking got paid for every time I answered that question, <laughs> so-
2: <laughs> well, I said, well, what qualifies you to be a handler? I mean, because you're a police officer I mean, I know some women in the sport world that work circles around you, but yeah, it's hard to get, it's hard to not get a little defensive about it. I don't ever, i mean, ever get that kind of question anymore. You know, I do realize there were holes in my game, and I had a lot to learn, and I don't know what it's like to be out there and uh, really do it. Um, So, you know, there is, you know, I I do realize I don't bring the complete package to the the game, but I think I bring, you know, a a considerable amount of knowledge and understanding of what's going on and what we need to do for these dogs to be effective. It's worked out pretty well.
0: I can say you're probably, you know, of uh, from what I know, one of the only, so you're, you're actually a civilian employee of the police department of the city of uh, yes. Shelby. You, I yes. don't know of any other. Have you met any other like that? Not contract, but actually sp- employees that all you do is the dogs and you're not, a, uh, an officer.
2: Well, I've never come across anyone. Um, I will say I, had, I was having a conversation once when I, when I first met, met Ken Licklider. He said, you are the second guy that I've talked to this year that's got a similar background. Now, I don't know if uh, – you know, I think about Jerry Bradshaw. Jerry's never been
0: a police officer either. Uh, right, and he doesn't you know. work for a city, though. I mean, that, that's right. just different. No, it's It's right. uh, – I, I – uh... I kind of like it actually. And I'm I'm just ticking ahead in my in my own head for <laughs> I can retire from my department in a couple of years and uh, <laughs> I
1: mean I'm like
0: you know I'm I'm just I'm taking notes here. I got to go uh, go down there. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, if I could be the impetus to make that happen by all means jump mm-hmm. all over it. <laughs> so So you North um, Carolina
0: does not have state standards at all, correct?
2: No, they do not. Um no, I think it's foolish not to. I mean, obviously, we, we need to have an independent uh, association or agency, you know, verify what we do. and um, So it's important. I think it's important that we do that. I know you've, you're very involved with an association in your area. Um, but there is no requirement here. So I mentioned earlier that we um, basically is, is I'm work. I'm actually working with a new dog right now. That we, uh, it's the second dog for a handler. i um, will give you kind of a rundown of what we've got with with Shelby. There's um, one Dutchy and three mouths. And they uh, we in the early stages. We had German Shepherds. I, I and I'm not against German Shepherds. I like them, but I've become pretty much a Dutchy mouth fan. Uh, they are, uh, I think I've kind of developed, I guess you do this long enough, you kind of develop a style that you like. And I think someone, if they were watching our dogs work, they would say, yeah, that's that's definitely a Shelby dog. I can tell by the way it does detection or the way it does uh, control work.
1: Oh, yeah. So, I mean, my local people here that don't have dogs from us, yeah, they're, they, I, I hear that, or my handlers do anyway. They hear uh-huh. that shit all the time, like, oh, that came from you know Scott and Ted, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, no, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah.
0: I, now, so, go ahead. I, I trained my first class as the head trainer of my department in 2011, so only seven years ago. My last class that I just did, the the guys who were in the first class wouldn't recognize my training style anymore. Mm-hmm. It, it's completely different. You've been doing it yeah. so now 23 years what is your biggest change? Like, what would you do 23 years ago that you're like, man, I wasted a ton of time, and now you, I'm sure it's more, I mean, four to six months is awesome that they give you that time. I love it. That's, me and Ted talk about that a lot, the rush, 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 rush is such a pain in the ass, and you do get to take your time, but what have you, not so much streamlined, but refined in your training? Oh, wow. Hmm.
2: Well, when I first started, we didn't even we didn't do narcotic detection. That was a that was a game changer for me, um, and I think it was so short sighted that they didn't see a need for it. I mean, nobody in the vice unit thought that might be something that we ought to do, and uh, and really the way that came about was that there's a seminar in Sevierville, Tennessee that we have just become addicted to we go to every December that's where we do our certification and honestly that's kind of how I can justify everybody getting out of town together and doing some bonding and really doing some really good training and the first time I went Ken Licklider was the featured uh, presenter or uh, the guys doing the training and I watched uh, one of his dogs do, and I hadn't any experience. My only experience was with an aggressive alert dog. This is kind of my first time seeing a passive alert dog work, a good one. I'd always been told that they're unreliable, which is crazy. Uh, I was watching this dog uh, in a room that was uh, kind of like a factory and had uh, real high ceilings, and he put the dope. Um, which was a considerable amount in this big room on top of the fluorescent lighting. So it was a good 10, 12 feet up directly in the middle of the room. And I watched this dog come in and he kind of goes around the outside. You can tell this change of behavior. And finally settles right down underneath the dope and he's staring up at it. I said, Holy crap. I've never seen anything like that. That just really left an impression on it because, you know, in contrast, what, A lot of aggressive alert dogs do they would come in and they would have to find something to scratch on there's nothing to scratch on in the center of a room so it was really at that point that i thought this is what i want to do this is this is something we've got to add to our program so i convinced the powers be that maybe we could start off by getting a uh, detection dog, straight detection dog for the vice unit so one of my previous handlers was interested, so he and I went to VLK and uh, spent the week there, uh, got some good instruction, came back, and honestly, pretty much everything I do in detection, I stole right out of his playbook, Um, and we've been really successful with it. We probably tweak things as he's tweaked things, but uh, we essentially learned what we needed to do based on the dogs that we bought and brought back home. And that's kind of a back-ass words way to do things, but, um, you know, at that time there really wasn't. You can't just, there were articles, but there's not videos and things that you could look at.
0: Right. I think I do um, my basic imprinting and, and my, you know, training a detection dog as good as anybody. And I think I've I've refined my technique really well. But I absolutely stole it from Kenny Licklider. The box method yeah. I use and everything, I'm sure he invented absolutely. it. I think I yeah. do it yeah. better than a lot of others, but I definitely didn't invent anything that I do. Right.
1: No, yeah, and that's even, what we're you know, doing. I, I'm, I'm the same way. Like, you know, obviously I use the box method. We also use Dutch boxes or Randy Hair boxes or whatever, which we got from Randy so or from whoever. But, yeah, I mean, nothing that I do – I have not invented. I have figured out some pretty good problem solving skills with shit that doesn't work sometimes, but by and large, you know, I mean, I'm not a fucking rocket scientist. So when something doesn't work, I figure something else out.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I still, you know, it's controversial, I guess. Um, we still do all the others at one time and lo and behold, we've not had any issues, uh, started using set logics for the first time just a couple years ago and the product seems to to hold up seems to do well we've not had any issues uh with dogs going from uh, set logics to real the dog that i'm working with right now is uh we're doing set logics or we're doing a cocktail and we've got three wooden boxes and three guys man in the boxes and we're playing a shell game and when he this joker was sitting the first session. He was making that connection, which is just absolutely amazing. Because we've gotten some, uh, the last three dogs that we got it sh- for Shelby, uh, their drive was just insane. I mean, just insane. The first Dutchie, the uh, first time we brought him down the boxes, he reaches down through the hole and picks it up and starts shaking the box. I thought, oh, man, I've never seen anything like this before.
0: We're going to have to, you know, <laughs> really take a good look at this. So you, uh, are you doing um, uh, bomb dogs and dope dogs? We don't have any bomb goes? dogs. Okay.
2: Yeah, no, no bomb dogs, none in the area, which is really kind of bizarre because we're situated right in between Asheville and Charlotte. So we're, and I don't, there may be one in Nashville. I don't know. There is most likely there is one in Charlotte. So we're kind of, uh, we're equal distances, about an hour to each place. So we're in a good spot to actually have one. Um, I don't know how much it would get used. Uh, I I would love to do it, but we'll see.
1: Right on. We're going to take a break for just a second, uh, talk about some people that pay the storage fees on this thing um, when we come back <clears throat> Howard's going to talk about um, something that happened to the sheriff's department and uh, yeah we'll go from there Let's take a second and talk about Dogtra. Astute trainers with proper training tools are the key to unleashing any dog's potential. For over 30 years, Dogtra has collaborated with industry professionals to create class-leading tools in e-collar training, GPS tracking, and balls training to support dog owners in developing top-notch dogs. One of the ways they do that is superior technology, ergonomics, design, and durability. They have gradual and precise stimulation control via their patented 127 level rheostat dial so you have a minimal jump in stimulations they have trusted durability and reliability i use them every day at the kennel and have for years works all the time every time weatherproof waterproof and pretty much idiot proof they're speaking of which, is intuitive and innovative. There's no fuss, no hassle. When you hear Eric talking about making sure the handlers know exactly where the remote is and it's a no-look use, this is exactly what he's talking about. Hit him up at doctor.com.
0: This episode is brought to you by Highland Canine Training, LLC. They offer total solutions for law enforcement and military organizations to meet their increasingly demanding canine needs. Connect with them and see the difference at TacticalPoliceK9Training.com. That's Tactical Police, the letter K, the number 9, training.com. Guys, they're fucking good.
1: Okay, we're back. Uh, we've been talking with Howard Young uh, about working for Sheriff's Department for 23 years um, and the ins and outs and trials and tribulations of running a prog- helping run a program as a civilian, uh, which I can directly relate to. Uh, so, Howard... Um, I guess in your entire career as the trainer for both Shelby and for the sheriff's department, um, has there ever been kind of like a, uh, a moment in time um, that has sort of solidified some things or has kind of put things into perspective for you?
2: Well, you know, we kind of communicated, you know, one of your worst nightmares would be if something was, were to happen to one of your guys. Right. And, uh, we had that incident, um, handler at Shelby PD. Um, he, uh, he, he, had two dogs. First dog he was given, uh, from a previous handler. And that, that team was really, really successful. And, uh, Tim, the handler was, he's kind of a, he was a prideful guy and he wanted, you know, he wanted his own product. And, uh, So he went, I arranged for him. I wasn't able to go, which I usually do. Uh, Actually went to uh, Tar Heel to get a dog from uh, Jerry Bradshaw. And he, uh, of course, throughout the day, he's sending me pictures. And uh, so he ends up getting this dog. The dog's pronunciation, the dog's spelling is C-I-K-O. So Tim looks at that, and he says, oh, that's Psycho. (laughs) Well,
1: from that point forward,
2: this dog's known as Psycho. Um, And everybody knows him as Psycho. And why did the department let us get away with, you know, having a dog named Psycho? I don't know, but they did. So the name stuck. Um, Tim was one of those uh, five percenters that you hear about. You know, he's uh, deeply committed to what he was doing, Uh, real go-getter. So he was a handler for ten years and uh I can think of a couple, he was just really uh proactive. Um I remember pulling up the train, this guy would literally run to my car like a little kid, like, what are we doing today? They just always all in. And uh became obviously he was with me for uh when someone works with you for ten years, you get to be pretty close. Plus we're a small group anyway, so there's four handlers. He's one of four and, and being a ten year vet he was definitely the most experienced so um, being a, a natural leader guys looked up to him and um, he was definitely ADHD he was just super energetic and but the guy could do absolutely anything I mean whether it was fixing cars or you know he's, I can remember several times him uh, helping uh, me and my son's out uh, with fixing a car or something. And he's always willing to you know, kind of share of his time. But I got a call um, about 1245 one evening. Uh, the dispatcher said, uh, Tim's been shot. I uh, can't tell you how bad I need you to go to corner of this and so and secure his dog. You talk about something that makes you wake up, you know, jump out of your sleep. Uh, I have, uh, well, at first, you know, I had all kinds of thoughts. You know, at first, I didn't think the worst. I was thinking that, uh, you know, darn, Tim's not going to be able to help do decoy work for a while. He's going to be out. He's going to, you know, he'll get better. Uh, the other was, holy crap, this dog's loose. One of the things we learned about Psycho very early on is that he was, uh, he's definitely a touch-me-not. I've never been one of those people that felt like I need, you know, I need to pet every dog. I don't know how many times I've pet that dog. Not many. Um, And I've been doing battle with him for, you know, we got him when he was 10 months old. So that was the other advantage of being able to take our time. So he kind of matured in and and, uh, became a really super, super Malinois. And uh, so I was thinking, how am I going to get this dog? So I grabbed my bite suit but a coat, and I thought, you know, if i got to take one for the team or lure him in, I'll do it that way. When I got to the scene, I didn't see his car, but there were police cars, police officers everywhere, and and when I made eye contact with his lieutenant, he didn't have to say a word. I knew it was bad. Um, When I found his car, it was probably uh, close to 150, 200 yards away, and you couldn't see it. There was no line of sight from where they were, where his car was Uh, another handler had actually beaten me to the car and the dog was asleep in the back Um, he had his air conditioning going i could look in and see the hot pop um, register it was nice and cool in there he had plenty of gas and so the dog was comfortable of course you know the one thing was why was not his dog with him this is probably one of the most proactive things and we of course we armchair quarterback that to death but essentially what had happened is just that he um and his sergeant were serving a warrant and uh there was uh, there was a car with three folks in it they pulled in and somebody got out sergeant thought i gotta follow that car which which left him but he was only gone for a minute and 30 seconds and in that minute and 30 seconds uh Tim and this guy end up uh, going hand to hand, and I think that Tim was getting it from from the what I heard sounded like Tim was kind of getting the better of him. And the guy said, "Take your hands off me, or I'm going to shoot you." And he, he said it twice, and um, he actually did shoot Tim. But Tim was able to return fire uh, and hit him, but the guy got away. Uh, this. Tim wasn't expect. we didn't think that he was going to make it to the hospital. And he hung on. And I know at the hospital they gave him every unit of blood they had. Uh, they airlifted him to Charlotte, and nobody thought he'd make that flight, so he, he survived that flight. Uh, but the other thing was is that uh, once uh, – Really, once the FBI got there, they kind of shut the whole thing down. So we weren't able to use our dogs in terms of article search, um, really tracking from the from the scene. It was you know, we were kind of kept out of the way. But uh, he hung on. Um, well, we talk about the dog. We, it, once we, I had like I don't know how many hours I stayed with the car, but thought well i you know i could get him home and i'll i'll get him in a kennel we've got a spare kennel at our place we have and uh every time i've been around this dog he's tried to eat me so how am i gonna get out of this car and i had plenty of time to think about it and and i thought well i'm just i'm gonna hook him up like he's mine and just take him on out and lo and behold he he was just fine but uh he's always been a bit nasty um but i was i want to tell you about a, a couple uh Apprehensions. I know, I'm jumping around a little bit. I was thinking about some of the things that, that Tim and Psycho had done. Is that they? Uh, I heard you talk about the, the swamp bite. He was uh, Tim and Psycho were tracking. They were just in the county, the sheriff's office, and they were just kind of like a messed uh, house, almost like a compound. And he was tracking in the dark with with Psycho, of course, completely dark. And he comes to an area where there's a pond and there's a barn and there's only about six feet of grass and the the dog stops there and all of a sudden he jumps in the water and he thinks my dog is screwing off this is this is wrong well what had happened is the guy had gotten in the water and had a black hoodie and had it pulled over his head and there was just enough space that he could breathe and psycho dove on his head when he when they got him out of the water his ear was hanging on by a thread. The dog had just demolished him. And uh, that was one that sticks out in my mind. There was uh, another one. You, you don't think about this kind of stuff happening in a small town, but uh, one of the guys, began in warrant service, and he pulls up uh, in front of this house and he sees two people standing over a, a body with a garden hose and a knife. And basically what they were doing is they were trying to dismember this body. And um, <laughs> so they set up a perimeter what um, the fuck Tim gets there with, <laughs> I know it's the kind of stuff you see in movies you don't expect to happen holy they shit so when Tim gets there he takes his dog around the perimeter and he, he's kind of talking to his sergeant who's another former canine handler saying man he's not picking up on anything all of a sudden the dog starts pulling like crazy takes him to back past the house and engages this guy who's uh, won't show his hands. And he's got one hand; he just won't show it. He's sitting on, and the dog is just wearing him out. And of course, they're they're wearing him out. And they uh, when he finally shows both his hands and they get him up, he'd been reaching for a gun the whole time. So he remembered okay, there's two people. So he went back to the house and. Uh, made his announcements, set the dog up, and uh, the female was uh, asleep, or I don't know if she was asleep. She was faking like she, she was asleep. She was underneath uh, a blanket, and the dog bites her. So, Eric, we don't get multiple bites like, like your guys do. Mm-hmm. That, uh, that's definitely one that I'll, I'll definitely never forget, just the fact that it was so gruesome. But um, the Meth
0: is terrible. Shattered. Meth is a horrible thing. <laughs> oh, I know. Slicing body uh, parts and everything else. Crazy.
2: Well, I got called to, uh, possibly, uh, testify that this, like three years had passed and this guy had been in jail all this time. And he put on so much weight. The detectives didn't even recognize him when he, when he came to court because he put on so much weight. And, uh, one of the assistant DAs wanted me to look at some pictures because he's saying, he's saying that these aren't dog bites. So, um, I, I looked at him, and you could just in there. They're so clearly dog bites. You could see where the dog was trying to uh, engage him in the, you know, the broad part of his back and shoulder, and then he finally was able to, to get something that he could get his mouth around. And, um, so it, it, they were clearly dog bites, and so that one's already gone to trial. But Tim hung on um, through, uh, well, Monday it's got a very uh tight-knit family he's got a brother in town that's a youth pastor and uh, his dad is in Georgia his his mom is here and they uh you know they, they expected a miracle of course we all did you know we kind of thought you know he's going to come out of this and um I'm certainly not a medical expert but the reality is that he was pretty much gone on the scene so uh, when, uh, he, he passed away on Monday and, and the family was so gracious. They, they invited my wife and I in and, uh, some of the guys from the police department is, you know, uh, really powerful. Uh, as, uh, Tim's brothers, you know, reading scripture as Tim's, you know, uh, you know, about to leave this earth and, uh, is one of those things is just you know you don't ever expect that it's going to happen so lost a very uh close friend and the impact that it had on this community is just the way people came together is just absolutely amazing and the way the law enforcement community came together there were people texting um as we were preparing for the funeral we were trying to figure out where can we have this thing because this thing's going to be huge uh, there were 105 K9 teams that came from across the East, uh, and we also had some representatives from Chicago and New York. And they were telling us if they had had a couple more days advance uh, notice that we would have had three times the number. So the the outpouring of support um, was just astounding. The, uh, we ended up doing the uh, funeral in our where our town is uh, host the American Legion World Series uh, Baseball. Um, so we've got a really nice, elaborate stadium. And we, uh, I know it holds 6,000 folks, and it was beyond capacity. So it was just – in fact, you can YouTube it, and I know it's, it's there. But uh, there was a, there's a gentleman, um, Matthew Duffy, who runs a, a kennel just outside of Louisville. Um, he's actually in Indiana, so it's right there on the, on the border. Um, I'd gotten to know him through the uh, seminar in Tennessee, and he called me early in the week and said, would you like for me to handle Psycho for you in the ceremony? And first I kind of said, well, now I think his, you know, Tim's wife's kind of expecting me to do that. But, but I also knew that I had a speaking responsibility, and I thought, I don't know how I'm going to juggle that. So he, uh, I took him up on it. He and his uh, wife drove all the way through the night, he, met, he said, here's what I'd like for you to do. He said, uh, get some frozen Bill Jack." So that stuff like crack for dogs is amazing stuff. So we had the, the Bill Jack. And he said, I want you to get the dog out. And you just kind of walk around with him. And he said, I'll come up beside you and I'll I'll take the leash from you. And uh, he took the leash and off they went. And they, they were inseparable for five hours. He just took that dog everywhere around the stadium and they just hung out for five straight hours. and There's a very powerful uh, picture and scene from the ceremony where he walks out with Psycho and comes to the casket, puts him in a down, and presents a rose. and um, Just you know, amazing stuff, how people uh, came together and support, and uh, lots of donations. Psycho is now, uh, he lives with my wife and I, and... He's not with Tim's uh, wife. So a lot of people wondered, well, why not? Well, he's, because he's been, such a, been kind of a jerk of a dog and difficult to manage, um, Tim had kept him pretty much separate from, from his wife and his daughter, his four-year-old daughter also. Uh, so I sh- sat down with his wife, and we really decided it was probably best that he, that he live with my wife and I, I was good with him pretty quickly. He, we didn't really have much problem, but my wife, on the other hand, she's not going to have a dog that lives here that she can't manage. So set up a, a routine. She started going on walks with us, and then she started using the it, and then we let her do some obedience with a muzzle. You know, I, I, I don't want her to get hurt, so we took her time in about two months. But those two are thick as thieves now. They are just she. She don't want to go anywhere without him. So he he's just a a part of the family. We've got a giant schnauzer and a Jack Russell Terrorist,
1: too. And um Oh God.
2: Yeah. Jack Russell
1: Terriers, holy shit. I had a working Jack Russell Terrier. That dog bit more people than most canine units <laughs> combined.
0: Yeah, they're amazing. So does yeah. Psycho get to go with you to uh work? Does he go to training at all? Do you use him as a training dog at all? He, I do. He goes to training a good bit. In fact, he's uh, to, be such a,
2: to have been such an effective, uh, authentic uh, man-stopper, he is control work, and it's, it's a testament to Tim's work ethic. He was a real workhorse. He was willing to put in the sweat equity, and this dog is a machine. In fact, we call him the machine because he's just spot on. Um, I like to, I believe, in doing a downing recall never made sense to me for a dog to take his dog off of what he's what he's after uh, so this dog does incredible demos and he, he really doesn't know how to shut it off i mean there's times that if i pick up a piece of grass or a weed in my yard and throw it over in the woods he immediately goes into article search mode and he's over there sitting and staring at it and won't come off of it he's just he just can't turn it off
0: Yeah, a dog like that's a good way to teach uh, decoys, like how to catch a fast dog and how to, you know, do it right and and hopefully not, you know, learn not to injure the dogs. I used to have a little dog that came to my kennel that was the fastest dog I've ever seen and would target that bicep full speed as fast as she could. But. She was real little. She couldn't hurt you, and mm-hmm. and you really couldn't hurt her. So, man, I taught a bunch of guys how to catch a, a fast inside catch on that with her. Oh, um, yeah. Now and she's down there in North her. Carolina. Yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. She's down there killing it. So that's amazing, well, man. That, that's a shitty story. You know, I got woken up uh, a couple of years ago, you know, when, when our dog Jethro got shot and killed. And, you know, everybody right away, you know, Ryan's okay, the handler. You know, Ryan, he's okay, he's okay. Mm-hmm. And you're like, geez so we were lucky, you know, we, we had the opposite effect where, you know, we, had, I had the satisfaction of knowing the dog I trained saved the handler and then got killed, you oh, know, yeah. got killed in the interim. It just sucks that, uh, it ended up, you know, him dying with the dog in the back of the car. And I'm not saying it's his fault. I'm just saying, uh, you know, cause that dog would have done everything he could for him.
2: Oh, absolutely. You know, that's, that's the real tragedy is you know he didn't make a bad he didn't make a wrong decision
0: it was his decision
2: and it wasn't it doesn't mean it was wrong he he had his reason uh but you know you it's hard not to look at it from a different perspective had the dog been there it would definitely have afforded him the opportunity to at
0: least do what he you know he needed to do what happened to the guy that shot him uh,
2: still has not come. He
0: managed to get all the way from here
2: to Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, some family had assisted him, but he's, he was extradited. He is now in uh, a local county uh, jail, and has, obviously it's not come to trial yet. But Wow, that was 2016
0: gonna, that he was killed?
2: Yes, it was, yep, uh, oh. September 12th.
0: And still no trial. That's horrible for the family and and the community. Yeah. They want that done. Are they? Uh, does North Carolina have the death penalty? Yes. Yes. Oh, uh, and we've
2: got a got a really uh, great DA. I'm sure that's what you know he'll be trying to do.
0: Yeah. What What was the warrant that he was wanted on? I Some don't
2: bullshit. remember. There There were several. Th- there was multiple things. Uh, they were
0: certainly acts of violence it wasn't just some petty stuff yeah but it's still not worth what happened you know what i mean it's just oh absolutely not you know in the in the in the in the larger sense it's petty when it comes down to it you know based on killing a guy for that because uh, he didn't want to yeah. put his hands on him or whatever so mm-hmm. well that's uh that's a. Uh, that's a really touching story definitely we haven't had that we you know we've we've talked to people that have lost dogs and agencies that have lost dogs but um you know that's a thing the, the last couple of years 2016 was a bad year for canines man oh, either yeah. dogs or It yeah, was. was a rough year um and you know yep. now with social media and access to everything it makes it you know, everybody sees it now, even though it might have happened before, not might have it happened before, but it wasn't as in your face it is now. And, um, yeah, yeah that, that no, was, a rough yeah, year.
1: and of course, you know, while this is recording a couple of weeks ago, uh, the guy in Massachusetts, Sean was shot and right. serving Iris risk on a guy that had. 4,000 fucking felonies, and one of the most tightly controlled gun laws in the state or in the, in the country, yada, yada, yada. And yeah, I mean, yeah, it fucking happens. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, I think that we, I don't want to say we get complacent, I don't, because I, I mean, you know, I know some handlers that know that guy that, that know Sean and right. that wasn't, he was not a complacent guy. He was not from everything that these handlers tell me he was not complacent. Right. He was not anything else. And, uh, it was a product of circumstance and it fucking sucks. Right. But yeah,
2: you know, Tim was, he's probably one of the most capable people I've ever met. You know, he, he was always ready
0: for whatever. How did you pronounce his last name, Brake, Brakeen?
2: Uh Brackeen, yes.
0: Okay, I'll uh, I'll tip one back for him tonight for Tim Brakeen. All right,
1: that's a, yeah, that's a,
0: that's a good story. So now, so you come on here, you you know, you got your jobs and everything. You don't really have anything to promote, but uh, let talk about what's coming up. What do you got? Are you training any dogs for anybody now? New or uh, you got you guys going to any seminars? You got anything lined up?
2: Yeah, we're, uh, you know, I'm working a new dog right now with the sheriff's office. We just had, they just had one, I say they, it's now me. I am a part of that organization. So, uh, But I was with Shelby for so long. So, uh, yeah, we've got a, a nice uh, 60, 65-pound Malinois that is kind of, uh, his drive isn't over the top, and uh, he seems to be able to actually think. Yeah, the I'll tell you, I, I've experienced these the really, really high-drive dogs, and it's like, careful what you ask for and who you're asking to get it for you. There's some wonderful vendors out there. I love the, the dog buying process. Uh, of course, you know, everybody has a story about every vendor. Somebody's had a bad experience, and I've always tried to go into every one of those kind of with my my eyes wide open. I'm gonna give everybody the opportunity to uh, – I'm not going to just let any, uh, bad remarks or, you know, negative reputation. So I've had great experiences with vendors and I've tried to maintain those relationships in a, in a positive manner. I'd like to think that I could go back to any one of those places and, and get a dog. So yeah, this little guy's coming along really, really quickly he tracks like a, uh, a machine, very methodical, uh, very different from the last three that I trained.
0: That's great. That's great. And it's, again, it's a, it's a trainer's dream to be able to take, you know, four months to do it right. You know, get a dog up and, and work out a lot of the little issues and you don't really have to work on the certification stuff till late, late in the end. And, um, so you, right. you definitely got a pretty good, pretty good situation. I'll, uh, chalk me up as an envious person here. Well, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I feel
2: pretty lucky. The uh, two really good organizations, and um, the police department's given me so much autonomy uh, in terms of procurement of dogs, and uh, just basically taking you know my my advice. And uh, where he's not been uh, in situations where we've had a lot of things that we've had to have and didn't have, and uh, of course I'm still looking for a bite suit that fits me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have never had a fight shoot a fight shoot that actually fits yeah and i'm a tough fit you know five foot five and i'm between you know 190 and 205 depending on what what time of year whether i've been working out or not short arms short legs you know it's it's a struggle <laughs>
1: And, yeah, and, you know, I'm, well, I'm not the opposite, but, you know, I'm not like fucking JJ, my buddy out in New Mexico. That dude's, like, 6'10 and, like, 190 pounds. So, I mean. (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy. Well, so we're running into the limit here. So, Howard, you're not, uh, you know, you know, I appreciate you coming on and telling the story, and I know, I mean, that's the worst nightmare. I mean, those guys, the guys that train with me routinely, and even the ones that don't, like the ones I spend a lot of time with, even the guys that are in Kansas and Missouri that are further away whenever else, I mean, I spend a lot of time with those guys. They spend a lot of time with me away from mm-hmm. their family, away from their, you know, away from their kids, away from whatever it is that they're doing. And I know that... Uh, it's not difficult, and it's cool that you've got Psycho now, um, and that he's bonded with a wife and everything else, and I appreciate you coming on and telling the story, for sure.
2: Oh, you're welcome. Well, thank you very much for having me. I, I enjoy telling the story. I tell you, it, it's still it's still tough to tell. Uh, I will say it probably has gotten a little easier. I've uh, shed many, many tears trying to tell the story to folks, because people want to know. I mean, a lot of folks in the community, we had lots of speaking engagements uh after this took place and lots of demos and you know everybody wanted to see the dog and they wanted to they wanted to hear about tim and it's tough to tell
1: yeah and uh you know i mean it's kind of one of those things that you know for as long as you've been doing it the inevitability is that something at some point is going to happen. And unfortunately it did. And, you know, hopefully, and like I told you the other day in text message, I was like, fuck, I hope I go my entire career and this never happens to me. Like, I, I hope Absolutely. I never, I hope I never know personally, uh, mm-hmm. any of my handlers ever get hurt. And, um, you know, and the inevitability is that it's probably, that it, it, it is probably going to happen, but it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, you know, where we are, but, all the same, yeah. man. I appreciate you coming on. It was a good interview. Thank you. Thank you very much.
2: Well, I felt like I rambled on a little bit, but I ah. appreciate you having me. I'll tell you. Uh, I've got to confess. I saw you, Ted. I saw you doing an interview with a guy. Uh, the guy that does the interviews on the treadmill.
1: Oh, tank. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And and I never got the Ted Stickles thing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. I am usually pretty quick on the uptake, but that completely eluded me. But when I got it absolutely <laughs> I, I told my wife and she was dying laughing. <laughs> oh yeah,
1: no, there you know, and it's ironic, there are actually court documents um with that <laughs> on it. Not not by my doing. Yeah. And I've been called right. that since high school or since oh. you know, or high school, since college. I mean, I still have college friends, which I'm sure have heard this, and or have texted me and said they have whatever else, and they're like, uh, and they call me that. So, I mean, you know, that's kind <laughs> of that's what everybody knows me as, and people are like, is that really your name? I'm like, nah, no. <laughs>
2: yeah, I could believe I didn't get it. Usually I get that kind of stuff.
1: But <laughs> did, <you know. laughs> yeah. Well, right on, man. You know, we'd love to have you back on and talk about um, dog selection um some other stuff at some point uh down the road because we do those those episodes always seem to be super popular so but yeah i appreciate the time man for sure and i appreciate the stories
2: well i appreciate it too i'd be glad anytime you guys have i'm honored to even be uh, you know on a list of of folks to uh share because i you know there's so many people out there that are so good at what they do and uh some really great stories to tell I've enjoyed
1: every episode. We've got some other episodes coming up. Uh, Check out the sponsors at the end of the episode. Um, Again, Howard, thanks for coming on. I'm sure we'll talk to you soon. Probably later in the summer we'll do another one. How about that? All right. Sounds fantastic. All right. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Talk to you soon. Bye. Hey, let's get this finished up here. Southern Coast Canine, the letter K the number nine dot com. Sponsor for the episode, Southern Coast Canine offers canine handler, instructor, and trainers courses with a variety of seminars throughout the year. Visit them at Southern Coast letter K the number nine. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram for up to date courses and event schedules. 877-903 DOGs. That's eight seven seven nine zero three-three six four seven to register and find out more about these excellent courses. Also, Southern Coast Canines has an immediate opening for a full-time multi-purpose canine trainer position, the MPC trainer position. If you Join a winning team, contact them at the same number or email your resume to P. Heiser, H E I S E R, at southerncoastcanine.com. The letter K, the number nine. I want to talk about something near and dear to my heart. That's the
0: Police Canine Association, or PK9A. They were formed in 1985 by handlers for handlers. They are a 501c3 nonprofit that helps support active and retired canine units through fundraising and the sale of some badass merchandise. Please take a minute to check out their newly designed website at www.pk9a.com. That's pk9a.com. I've been a member there for 13 years and the current training director there. I can tell you there are some big things in the works to expand the nonprofit to help canine units all over. If you're on Instagram, check them out for some amazing content at Police Canine Association or Police Canine Association on Facebook.
1: Working Dog Radio is edited and co-produced by Dustin Wright at Bracket Designs. Be sure to hit him up at BracketDesigns.com for any branding or content-related work you have. We were graciously granted permission to use this rad music by Brother Deeg. Go buy him a beer at BrotherDeeg, spelled D-E-G-E, dot blogspot, dot com, spelled D-E-G-E, or hit him up on iTunes, Amazon, CD Baby, or any other music streaming stores. Check the show notes for links to both of these creative geniuses.